You're listening to Marco Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Yes, sir, people, the time of the evening where you join us on uh, your popular slot. It is a legal talk, and alhamdulillah, uh, this uh, week we have uh, once again our senior attorney, Ashraf Isopa, joining us. So much has uh, been happening around us, and I know the topics uh, that uh, he chooses is also brilliant. But it will be you, the listeners, uh, that uh, will be driving the show this evening when we put out Ashraf's uh, composites. So many, so many different articles have come through. So, alhamdulillah, we're really looking forward uh, to having a very fruitful discussion with uh, Senior Attorney Ashraf Isop. Uh, let me welcome you, the Pais and Sagacious uh, listeners, with uh, Senior Attorney Ashraf Isop. Uh, hearty. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, Ashraf, how are you doing this fine, uh, beautiful evening? Walaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, with the praise of Allah, all is good, all is calm. Uh, weather has changed dramatically here. You know, we went like from winter to summer, and then back to winter. So it suddenly got cold, man. And then now, uh, you know, it it was like going in the right direction. But you know, with it, when you have sudden uh, dramatic changes in weather like that, it creates havoc here for us, uh, Shavad, and uh, on the high felt. Like um, a lot of hay fever is going around. And then from there, I don't know if you're aware, but there's quite a, a, a round of flu doing its course now. So, uh, yeah. But those things are all not part of life. But otherwise, all is well. Yeah, uh, we're living in a very interesting times, uh, Ashraf, and uh, you know, one of those uh, events uh, being uh, the uh, BRICS conference are being held in our country. And, you know, we can look at it in uh, different dimensions. But one of the dimensions that really fascinates me when it comes to having senior attorney Ashraf Isop with me is uh, the currency issue and uh, the uh, de-dollarization and uh, talking about fiat money and so forth. But here we have uh, members of the BRICS who, uh, you know, even a Putin um, mooting for uh, you know currencies that is solid and backed by gold, and it seems as if uh, Russia has uh, big reserves of gold, uh, followed uh, by uh, China and also India. I mean, your thoughts on uh, uh, this uh, maybe this momentous uh, change taking place, or is it another uh, another you know facade, or it's another you know talk shop? Talk to us, uh, Ashraf. Look, when I uh, read it, uh, Shabbat, I must tell you, it was what I would consider a dramatic times that we're living in. Understand that for the last 400 odd years, we are tied to a particular economic system. In summation, what I'm saying to you, is with the rise of central bank and what we call fractional reserve banking, we basically saw a complete move from resource-based wealth to wealth that was not tied to any particular historical measure of wealth. Now, Let's just take a step back and see what the um, meaning of this is. 
So here we come to the um, creation of the Central Bank of England. And uh, the Central Bank of England now became the monetary authority. I'm not talking about the royal. It's nothing to do with the royal family or the English charter or royal charter. It's a private company. So this company now has the sole authority to basically create the money for the country or the means of exchange. And money, whether it was coinage or shells or whatever over time, had a specified value and that value was not monopolized. So there was a non-monopoly of money. Now you and I both know that the Islamic money is the gold, silver, gold and silver, dirham and dinar, or goods, which meant that the gold and silver coinage was always in circulation. And no one person could hold all of it at the same time. So there was non-monopoly. Then with regard to gold, it had historical value. It had inherent value on its own. It was indestructible and you couldn't copy it. So you can see that it actually equalized the control of money. That not all of that money could be reserved into one hand. Because I mean... It is a very powerful way of control. If you control money, you control everything else in the world. I think it was Baron de Rothschild who said, give me the control of the country's economy and I care not for rules. Something like that. I'm not sure. But you can see how powerful that, that whole scenario is. Mm. So, in the central banks, which is still the uh, Bank of England today, uh, which is still independent of Parliament as well as the Royal Family of England, which is the sole monetary authority, and they have their own gold reserves. Now, we know that gold was always a store of wealth, and the paper money was merely a token of how much gold there was. So, so there was always like a limited amount of gold, right? And so there was a limited amount of money in circulation. When that limit was freed um, by Nixon in the 1973, um, you know, temporary suspension of the dollar from the gold reserves, he said it was temporary. And then all the dollars were then printed and it really, really became printed forms of exchange, but not printed forms of store of wealth. You can see how that had a dramatic effect on the world's economy all over. So, when I say we have to step back, we have to step back and to see really where we're heading into. So we had the, we had the dollar, which was basically not latched to anything. Then we came along the euro, and the euro was supposed to be the means of exchange for the European Union. Then we had Brexit. England went back to its own currency and nationality, etc. And now we have the BRICS banks, the BRICS development banks. So, on the let's say on the one side of the scale, you had the World Bank and the IMF. The World Bank was part of the bank that every reserve bank took a loan from. 
the International Monetary Farm, uh, Fund was its economic arm, and they would advise, etc. But they very much were in control of the world's economy. They determined the uh, validity of a country's uh, existence. And you would recall that from zero tax, we went to a thing called general sales tax, GST. And from GST, we went to VAT. So which had the effect of bringing into the collection net of the receiver of revenue a number of transactions in which tax was automatically levied at present 15%. Now you have to ask yourself, what is the reason for being taxed? Mm. And the historical reason for being taxed is that the fiscus must be able to support the state in its expenses, in its expansion, its infrastructure, in its protection, etc. And we also know that the state, being the borrowing entity, will have to collect the monies from the citizenry in order to pay against its borrowings. And with borrowings comes interest. So, you know, there's uh, certain things that stand out in that, For example, like the Battle of Waterloo's interest debts was only paid recently by England, mm. not so long ago, I think in about... Yeah, so, you can imagine how many years these debts <laughs> hang on, right? And if you stand in Times Square in New York City and you look at the ticker tape, uh, which is now in digital form, of the debt on the United States, it runs into trillions and trillions of rands. Um, in fact, Joseph Stiglitz of the ex-World Bank uh, calculated that if the dollar, if the U.S. had to pay its foreign debt, which is interesting when you come to, to see where they're borrowing from, um, together with the interest at a rate of $1 million per minute, it will take something like 560 years to pay. Yeah, so you can imagine the amount of phenomenal debt owed by nations to one entity called the World Bank, whose policies are created by the IMF, whose insistence on democracy as the only means on which they will lend. You know, if, you, if you're not a democratic nation, the chances of you getting borrowing money from them on interest is uh, zero. Um, then the banks created all their own means of exchange. You know, you had the thing called SWIFT, right? You have uh, payments taking place through international banks and instruments of exchange. So, now comes up this other block called BRICS. You say, no, look, you know what? You guys got the monopoly of this international space. We're going to create our own member states with our own beneficiaries. That doesn't mean we're giving up the dollar. No one has given up the dollar. But they say that their ultimate aim uh, is to make sure that the dollar has got some competition. A, as an international means of exchange, and B, through the uh, International Development Bank, um, another source of funding or borrowing. I think South Africa has already got something like $5 billion in, uh, in, in uh, infrastructure aid from the BRICS Bank. I remember now what I said in dollars. Mm -hmm. So there isn't another currency. We didn't say in yuan. 
in rains or whatever. But the way I understand this thing is, and it, look, BRICS was not formed by the Russians or the Chinese. Or, it, was a creator, it was created about 25 years ago as a concept idea in one of the international, uh, sorry, American banks. I think it was Goldman Sachs or one other bank. But it was certainly um, not an original idea by these states 25 years ago that they're going to be uh, creating an independent bloc. You can imagine 25 years ago, the Russians were fighting a war mm. against the Afghans. The Chinese were not the powerhouse that they are today. They were still emerging. Um, you know, apartheid was still very much in place. There was Red Khafar and Swat Khafar. There was the Cold War. You remember all those events? So... I wonder where would India and Russia and South Africa and things have had the time or the insight uh, to go about forming it. But this was their 15th year <coughs> in existence. So it was definitely formed prior to that. But when you ask well, what is the view, I mean, if it's just another lending institute whose reserves are not backed by gold, then you're going to suffer the same consequences. So, uh, African nations are still in debt. There's no debt forgiveness. The infrastructure development is still paid for uh, with the collateral of the natural resources of which Africa has got an abundance of. I mean, the whole world needs the cobalt, the lion, the lithium, the iron from Africa that Niger so, you know, valuably uh, uh, controls. And, and, you know, there was a coup there. So what, if any, is the impact of this if it doesn't change how people are lifted out of poverty? I mean, it makes little difference if you're borrowing in, the rand with interest or the dollar with interest. Of course, you're going to pay 20 times more. It's only the the rate of uh, repayment that changes, right? As opposed to saying, we will lend you at zero interest. I think that makes a big difference. Hmm. You can build your infrastructure with zero interest. You can ship your goods with zero interest. You can sell your goods with zero interest. So in a cash economy like that, Shafat, there's uh, little space for credit because create credit creates debt. I mean, your the bank note itself is a is a credit note. It's not. Uh, it's it's uh, it, it is not money in itself. It's an IOU. So, yeah, that's what I think about this. If I'm wrong, you know, I'd, I'd love to learn, you know, somebody can, uh, you know, during the break between the shows, if they can point out look, that you got it wrong, you know, I'd be very happy to listen to that point of view, Shafat, but that's my personal understanding of it. 
You know, Ashraf, uh, you've gone uh, so deep into it. Uh, you actually taught me a lesson uh, that the, this idea is not the brainchild of uh, the so-called BRICS nation. I really thought it was the Chinese, the Russians that came to the fore with, the, you know, Brazil and India brainstorming this idea. But you said, you know what, perhaps, uh, you know, you've given me a twist here and my head is telling me the head and tail of the same coin. Uh, I mean, the heads are win, tails you lose. Uh, this is what's going to happen to people. It will only be the uh, shifting of guards. You know, bringing in another grouping that will take place, like the Americans have the Republicans and the Democrats, and uh, both of them, you know, to a lesser extent, are identical. So the banking system of the world would not change unless, as you say, uh, that the gold uh, comes to the fore and the currency is uh, valued in gold. And uh, the other point you made, uh, that taxation is, um, is, is, is a compulsory thing in governments uh, so that they can maintain uh, the infrastructure, so that they can maintain, uh, uh, you know, all, uh, the, 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 the people properly or, you know, give themselves salaries and so forth. But it seems the world over, even uh, the world is under one, uh, one world disorder, I call it, with uh, the IMF, uh, you know, ruling everything. Uh, they'll give you only loans if you obey uh, the, uh, the, the the rules and regulations of the policies that are implemented by uh, the U.S. and the Western states. And also you find uh, that, uh, you know, the Ukraine war uh, and, uh, you know, the, uh, this uh, manufactured war has affected the entire world where even IMF talks to other countries. You toe the line with us or otherwise you lose out. And it seems uh, so unfair. And then you see uh, so many other scenarios taking place where the French have been accused of, uh, you know, manipulating Africa to such an extent. Niger is a strong case. Mali is another strong case where they have taken all the gold and they're going for the lithium and all these uh, raw materials that is in Africa, taking it away for virtually nothing. And because of how the IMF runs its uh, monetary system and how the world banking uh, disorder is running, uh, Africa is, uh, you know, basically living in abject poverty and many have thought uh, that uh, so many members coming through and joining BRICS, uh, there'll be hope for them. So I don't know. I have, we need to be cautious uh, from what you're telling us, Ashraf. Well, first I must congratulate you. That is more than an adequate summary. I think it's uh, you've, you've understood each and every aspect of what I was trying to mm. put across. So I'm very impressed. Um, so, Siobhan, I think now we've got to go another step, right, and say, Allah subhanahu wa has forbidden excesses mm. for all religion. And is also forbidden the prohibitive use of the power of money, basically riba, that the one with capital can, can lend to the one without capital and enrich himself just because he has the capital. You can imagine Allah rallied against that and he forbid it in every deen. Now you have to ask yourself, what was Allah SWT trying to achieve by saying that you must reward effort and not capital? It is in the nature of man to trade. But the one with capital should not oppress the one without capital. It is because you can only allow people to grow and function for, and, and fulfill the organic growth and natural growth uh, by allowing 
the, the playing fields to be leveled and not putting all the power, especially the power of money in the, in the hands of a few, which is a situation you have today, 1% of the entire world's population controls 98% of the world's resources. I think you can immediately see the inequity and the abuse of power there, especially the power of money. So that was to allow human beings to lead a natural and fulfilling lives. Sometimes you also get our whole existence wrong. Mm. When Allah said, I created men and jinn to glorify me. It's a serious statement because the only evidence of that contract being fulfilled was in the name of the Rasul Sallallahu and the early companions. Because that was their the life. Now today, when we get up, who and what do we worship, Shabbat? Mm. How do we spend our day? Mm-hmm. We spend our day in the expectancy that I'm going to earn something, right? Whether you're a boss or whether you're a salary mm-hmm. person, that is how your day goes. You're busy looking for your risk at every corner. And then when you go and, you know, people say, Mashallah, I got this job and he's the CEO of that company and Mashallah, he's running this company and that company, you know, it's, it's the things that we all seem to be aspiring to. Mm. But is that the purpose of your creation? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You have to sit back and say, why was I created? Mm. So Allah said, I created you to glorify me. How are you glorifying Allah? The other difficulty we then seem to bring into our lives, you know, Shafat, we have the silos. Gee. I'm a Muslim in the mosque. When I come out, I'm a capitalist. When I'm in my boardroom, I'm this lion. When I'm in the, this, I'm that person. You know, you, you seem to be having multiple split personalities. Hmm. As, a, as opposed to be anchored in one personality, that I am the slave of the Creator. Hmm. I... I a slave does what the Creator commands. Now, that doesn't mean you shouldn't work and you shouldn't do your best. If Allah gave you the ability to be a doctor, then be the best doctor there is. There's nothing you can do about how the economy is run or managed. But if Allah gave you the ability to sweep or to clean or to repair or to run a corporate or to do anything, even ride a bicycle, then do the best you can. Because that is part of your being in awe of the Creator. It is how you worship your Creator through what He's given you. So Allah says, I've created men and jinn to worship me. Mm. So how are you going to worship when you're busy now chasing a budget? And You know what I'm saying, Shabbat? Let's be honest. Look at our days, right? We get up in the morning. Mm. You had a good day if you did well in terms of income. But if you suffered loss, you had a bad day. Where, apart
start from the time that you took off to go and make wudu and pray and how else was the day spent? Was it in all honesty spent in the worship of the Creator? And the worship is not enclosed, is not confined to the mosque. It's all the time. So that's my observation of how I think this whole migrate, this, this whole economic system has robbed us of our ability to be what we were created to be. That's again personal reflections. Well, you're tickling me, Ashraf. You're tickling me uh, this evening, uh, but I bless you for that uh, because, yes, uh, I've created mankind and Jinnah only for one purpose, and that is uh, to glorify and worship me. And Alhamdulillah, you know, as uh, you said it, uh, we have a, a problem when it comes uh, to us living in this dunya. And uh, uh, verily, in uh, the example of Nabi Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, we have a perfect example. And then when we live in our silos, as you said, perhaps uh, we succumb uh, to the uh, syndrome called triple S, the selective sunnah syndrome, where we, uh, you know, whatever suits up, uh, suits us, we'll quote that as even in business, we'll quote that hadith. And if it doesn't suit us, we put it under file uh, 13. And the challenging uh, thing about life is how do you react when it comes to loss and gain? Are you when it's uh, gain time? Your mood is right, you're buoyant, you're smiling. But the moment you see, hey, I've lost a few rands and cents here and your whole mood is spoilt. And the other syndrome is when you put your hands in your back pocket and you find that wallet getting smaller and smaller. And then perhaps uh, you go into the mode of, you know, calling on your maker and, uh, you know, you're selective. Uh, maybe you say, Wallahu khayrul razikin. And Allah says, I'm the best of uh, uh, providers and uh, maybe you're going to the uh, zikrullah mode of wallahu lazi la ilaha illahu rahmanu rahimu arrazaku 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 allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows exactly what's your makeup on and he knows exactly when you're bargaining with him and are you doing business with allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or have you really you know um, uh, uh, obeying uh, or have uh, given yourself Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a manner that uh, pleases him most is uh, giving yourself and giving uh, you know your whole hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, you know I'm blaming you for this Ashraf you made me think very deeply go ahead beloved no no I think again <laughs> what you said now is is amazing because again you, you summarized it but in summarizing it you've understood it so we are here to help each other on the journey because we've come from Allah and we're going back to Him. And I was just reflecting on something quite amazing. You know? I met an old friend and you know he always says, you know, Allah loves you. Allah. You know, he says it to everyone and he wasn't particularly trying to impress me with what he was saying. And I was reflecting and said, but do we love Allah? Wow. Of course He loves us. Wow. Of course He loves us because His mercy extends to all things, even the kuffar who don't believe in Him. Take from His mercy daily. The sun comes up. The air is still there to breathe. They eat. They drink. They drink water. They live. So He's extended. His mercy extends to all things. Without measure, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala hasn't cut it off from them. Isn't that I'm only giving oxygen to the Muslims? Mm. 
we have to then ask when we examine our own relationship undoubtedly Allah loves us but do we love him because you know have you ever wondered why Allah has created um, love between human beings whether it be husband and wife parent and child even in the animal kingdom you know Shafat, mm. the, the elephant, you know, when she gives birth, uh, she immediately starts throwing sand onto the baby. And you think, now oh, what? That is crazy, man. You know, covering the baby with sand, and that is only to prevent the scent of the baby attracting the um, predators. And even in the animal world, you see extreme forms of love, you know, where a mother would fight off a bear or a lion to save her baby. And it doesn't always end well. But, but there, there is the unwritten word of love. So why has Allah demonstrated love? Because if he didn't demonstrate love in the living world, you won't know what it is to love him. Because you, you know what I'm saying, Shavad, the proof mm. is in the eating. If you were not aware of love, you don't know how to love, and you don't know what being loved is. But that earthly love is only a reflection of what the potential of the divine love is. Mm. And, you know, you, you told of the great love of the Rasul for his family. But there was no greater love in the Nabi's life than his creator. That is the benchmark. And so we have to see how we can fulfill that contract of Allah to be Rabbikum. Mm. Am I not your Lord? When we all, every soul, even the communists answered, indeed you are. Mm. Then Allah said, okay, now I give you a contract by which you are to fulfill it. And the contract is worship. And the distinct, unmistakable unshakable form of worship is that that was brought by our Nabi There's no other measure of worship on the face of this earth except what he has demonstrated. And then there's the formal worship, which is the Salah. That is a formal. you got to do, you got to first make sure that your toilet habits are right because it's the only deen in the world who's, who dictates what you do in the toilet will determine how you're going to end up worshipping. If your toilet is not right, you cannot put your head on the ground. Imagine that. Hmm. Starts by being Tahara in the, in the, in the lowest of places. 
Am I right? There's no wudu without tahara. Mm. Absolutely. And there's no salah without wudu. Yes. So the highest point of worship is placing your head on the ground, but it starts with the lowest act of being clean in the toilet. You know, Ashraf, cleanliness is uh, next to godliness. And, uh, you know, the point uh, that you made is just flowing in. You talk about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves us all. And, you know, uh, we, uh, words are cheap. I mean, you can talk the talk, but can you walk the talk? Uh, that's important. And uh, you, you, you bring in the story of, uh, you know, how do you show your love to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? And by reading the Noble Quran, you find that Ibrahim alayhi salam, look at the test that he was uh, put through from a... I mean, using the term or a slang term from lighty days. He was a thinker and he thought. And, you know, when he saw the sun, the moon and all these things, and he says, oh, that's my Lord and that's my Lord. And when they said, he said, no, man, this can never be my Lord. And eventually he came to the realization that there is a creator, there is a maker, there is a sustainer. And look at his life, what uh, sacrifice he went through for uh, propagating la ilaha illallah. Uh, his father threw him out, the king threw him into a fire. Then he was tested uh, by, uh, you know, uh, leaving his uh, son there in, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in a barren land. And uh, it went on from there. Uh, sacrifice, just seeing a dream, he was uh, told to sacrifice his son. Many uh, he say he was so old and the son was uh, 10 or 11 years old and so forth. I mean, they, these are examples for us to emulate. And it seems even in our, uh, you know, love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we are very selective in what we choose and what we say. And, uh, you know, the words, the flowery words, even the Christian uh, preacher, he preaches that. The Hindu sadhu gives you some uh, very motivating words. But to walk the talk and then uh, you make a very valid point. Cleanliness is next to godliness. And this type of cleanliness, tahara, to be clean uh, both of uh, body and soul, it's only found you know, in the ultimate religion, the final religion, the religion that uh, the Khatim and Nabi'in came with, and that is Islam, Ashraf. No, for sure, Shukhan. I mean, you've pointed out numerous examples of the, the tests that the, the, the prophets before us went through. But it's all for one purpose, and, and that was um, uh, obeying Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I mean, can you imagine Sayyidina Ibrahim station? Hmm. You have to kill your son. <laughs> I mean, Shafat, you know, let me tell you, if we would ridicule if that order came now, we'll say it's impossible or it can't be this. But Sayyidina Ibrahim did it without hesitation. Now that tells you his relationship with the, with the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the, and the Quran says Ibrahim, Ibrahim was a ummah. That means in one whole man you had the whole ummah. Mm. Imagine that. Ibrahim was a ummah. So, all of this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is simply put in the divine book, which they're trying to burn. They can't burn it. They don't silly enough to think that by burning a book you, you're destroying uh, its existence. Um... It's there forever. And Allah has put it for now and for all times. In the, in the next 50 years, people will be living on Mars. And they will be reading the Quran in Mars. Because it doesn't change. 
You see, they're now finding that the universe is ever expanding. And the Muslims say, yeah, yeah, you see, the Quran says it. Look, we don't need science to prove the Quran. You know, we don't need tomorrow a scientist to say, you know what, I've just come across the microscopic levels in the two seas are not the same. And then we say, yeah, but the Quran said it, you know. And then we feel very good about it. We feel, we feel great. There we go back, Shafat, in the market space, in our daily lives, completely aloof and away from the Quran, its prescripts, its laws, its injunction. Why? Because it, it, it affects our income. That we have to get our heads around. We have to commit fully to this irrespective of the price. We're not being put in the fire like Sayyidina Ibrahim. We're not put in a wicker basket and sent downstream like Sayyidina Musa's mother had to do for him. We're not left in the middle of the desert with one small flask of water like Sayyidina Ismail had to... We, 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 you know what I'm saying? We're not... Mm. Uh, we're not challenged. We're not having to leave our children on the seashore because they're disobedient when the waves come. Like said Nabi So, we've been spared all of those things. All we have to do is obey a line in all respects possible. And this, I say, is a very serious charge, Shafat. You know, because the ones that believe in this un-Islamic banking that they call Islamic and un-Islamic insurance that they call Islamic are all, they, they, they are conflicted, but they collaborated with the Kufar. That I think must be clear about. Mm. They've sold out. It's a collaboration of the highest order. And they call it Islamic. I mean, we don't shudder when we see a man going into a bank, but we'll shudder and speak the same. Let's say a man goes in a kutta and a beard into a bottle store. What are you going to say, Shabbat? Mm. Mm. But you don't have the same horror and reflection. A man in the same attire goes into a bank. Which one has Allah declared one on the drinker or the user? Even Isa alayhi salam, I mean, uh, he went uh, to those money lenders. He turned the tables upside down and, uh, you know, he whipped them. He gave them a good whipping, uh, Ashraf. That's very important what you say. Because you must understand the historical significance of Sayyidina Isa. Sayyidina Isa was a Jew and a rabbi. He understood the Mosaic teaching of Sayyidina Musa, the principles of which in monetary exchange was a loan given between a Jew and a Jew does not attract interest. When Sayyidina Isa saw this evil happening in the, in the temple of money changers and money lenders, he didn't say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm. He turned the tables, he whipped, he physically took action. 
Show me another place where Sayyidina Isa physically fought something, mm. not verbally. Riba. There isn't another incident. So why was he so cross with the moneylenders? Because he was fulfilling the Mosaic prohibition. He was a Jew. He knew. He was a rabbi. He knew the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then you have the final Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam who brings a divine message and where Allah says, I have declared war. Understand this. If we are on the wrong side of the war with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how can we expect his help to come to us when we deny him in every day, in every space, and knowing that he's declared war on this, but we happily participate in it, and we reveal or revel at, at its its successes, and it's brought you this, and it's brought you that. And we're so happy in how our companies are doing as capitalists. So, Javad, that's, uh, this, you know, it's a big, it's a big thing for us to reflect on it. You know, Ashraf, uh, that was absolutely brilliant uh, where you brought it in. Uh, you know, as Isa alayhi salam, we know that was one of his important things. And uh, whilst you're talking, then, you know, we think about uh, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa came to destroy the idolatry or the, or the idolatrous um, system that was practiced uh, by these Arabs. And uh, they say there was such a, you know, outcry at that time uh, that the leadership, you know, how they reacted to Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa and he had to, like, you know, get this out of the people. There were times when they were praying, but they had the idols in their hand. They used to hide it under the clothes, and they still worshipped, and you know, tried to, but they were, like, found it very difficult. And it seems as if, you know, these ilas, and maybe we also, we don't know, we are, like, succumbing to an idol. Maybe, you know, worshipping your money, or, your, your, you know, you want to show off with your house, or this and that, or the opulence that you have, or you, you, you get very sore when, uh, you know, things are not coming right in the material sense. So, isn't that a form of um, idolatry or shirk, uh, Ashraf? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it is. Because we've given power to something that doesn't have power. It's a creation of men. Mm. It's powerless. So now, we... We, we, that is a, that is a shirk. Yes. That is. So, clearly, there is no other way to deal with it. We've committed shirk. Because shirk is not this little idol and, you know, it, it, the, the shirk is in the money. How can we forget that, you know? Because it's a piece of paper in your in, in your pocket that has got an imagined value, as I was saying earlier, right? So for every one rand created, the bank has to hold maximum 10%, to 10 cents. And it's not fantasy, this is not nonsense. But look at how the Islamic bank was uh, liquidated. You'll find all your answers there. So if it was Islamic, how come it was liquidated? How come they didn't have the capital to meet the demands of the depositors? So the 90 cents is what you can play with. So you loan, loan out the 97, 90 cents 
repeatedly to different people. And they all owe you. But you only had one rent, but you lent out 90 rent. Because the formula says you only need to keep 10% liquidity. So there already you can see the, uh, the inflation of money from nothing to something. So, Shavad, we have to now, I think, at this juncture, accept that, look, Islam is one system and Kufr is one system, even if we don't understand it fully. Because we can't be having this halfway uh, truth, you know. Mm. Okay, this is Islamic and, you know, this is halal and the rest of it is all okay. Or the rest of it is all bad. Our conversations cannot be about chicken and beef. It can't be. That's not the measure of our existence, halal and haram. We're still is a total dependency on certification. Only if it's certified by some organization will you have it. Since when did we allow certification into the deen? When we didn't have the authority for it. So we don't have authority. We all anarchists, but we insist on certification. Quite frightening when you think about how we've uh, created some of these rules around our own existence, you know. You know, Ashraf, because I, you know, you know, no, no, Muslim no. knows. You know, on, on on that point, I'd like to add something here. It seems as if you know, even if you look at the certification thing, you find that the Yahudis are very strict when it comes to their type of food. It has to have that uh, you know Jewish sign on it and so forth. And is it something that we adapted or, you know, someone in cahoots with them decided to let us do what these people are doing? And they're acting just like them. And you notice uh, that, you know, certain of these bodies, to, they work very uh, together, hand in hand with uh, these uh, groupings and so uh, so forth. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a billion dollar indust- uh, industry, as you said. And uh, who's fooling who? And uh, in there too, we have, uh, you know, a very fragmented ummah, you know, if that uh, person has his sign or that uh, body there, they, you know, uh, that's the type of body that we will follow because we've been uh, told by uh, certain individuals uh, that are looked up to that we should follow them. And it seems as if uh, this, uh, you know, many will say allegedly a racketeering uh, is going on and uh, uh, it seems like uh, this is a never-ending story. Yeah, Ashraf, go ahead. Sorry for interjecting. No, not at all. I think you raise an important point. But Shavad, my point is deeper than that. If the source of the money is riba, what are you worried about the chicken for? Well said. Well said. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) We in our eyeballs with riba. Yeah. Now you're putting a little straw out there and say, oh, you know, the air I breathe must be halal. I mean, it doesn't make sense, man. These are harsh realities that we as the Ummah have to face. The only reason I'm saying this, Shafat, is that we have to get a wake up now and say, listen, what are the real issues? How come we find ourselves in a situation without leadership, 
without authority, without a strict observance of the pillars of Islam, especially that of Zakat, which all of its rules are broken, the least of which that you're giving your Zakat to an organization. The organization is not referred to in Surah October. They are one of eight categories of Zakat recipients, and Zakat is taken by the one in authority and given. But you know, we keep on diluting all these things. Okay, it's all right, we'll overlook it. Then from there, we say, all right, we're going to give Zakat parcels. Then Zakat parcels say, oh, there's a non-Muslim, you can't give it to him. You know, you know Shabbat, it looks like we keep on insisting on Islam, but we keep on compromising on it. Shifting the goalpost. <clears throat> but to suit ourselves, because the truth of the matter is, when we go down to hard brass tacks, mm. well, the money is not halal. <clears throat> the business is running on overdraft. The, the uh, labors, laborers are exploited. There's cheating in the marketplace. So we have to we have to rein in our deficiencies in order that we improve. And we become the people that Allah created to worship Him. Because when you're in the awe of your Creator who you love and worship, nothing around you matters. You know, earlier on we spoke about love, right? Mm. Because a lover only sees his beloved, he sees nothing else. You know, the world can crumble around him. He only sees the lover, he doesn't see any anything else. He only sees the beloved. So that is the kind of, um, I would say, that focus you know you need to have. Because then, the beloved will take care of everything. Allah said it, man. He promised you all these things. Absolutely. And as okay. you said... You know, Ashraf... Uh, I heard a very interesting thing. Mm. Sorry, Shabbat. No, no, uh, go ahead, because uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation, and it seems as if a divine decree is uh, controlling this program this evening, Ashraf. Go ahead. So, you know, we sat down for a meal, but I heard this from my teacher, and, uh, you know, there was lamb on the table. And you know, normally when we eat biryani, hey, this biryani stops me. <laughs> now, that lamb, Shafat, and that rice that you just ate, and the potato and the yogurt, where did it come from? Mm. No, 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 they bought it yesterday. Laikila rice, and you know, they went to this butcher, and A-grade, Karu lamb. But here's the story, Shafat. You see, that lamb didn't come yesterday. It came four months ago when its mother was impregnated and it came eight months before that when the mother ate the blades of grass which two weeks before were watered from the heaven which two weeks before the winds blew the clouds together 
So the piece of lamb that you just ate now was made 10 months ago. That is how dramatic this thing is. I mean, that is your risk. Mm. But, but we see, you see, we only see the end result. We don't see the beginning. So that one little drop of rain <clears throat> that fed the blade of grass, that fed the mother, that allowed her to walk around. Then she gave birth. Yeah, it's 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 mind-boggling when you think about it in those terms. And that is how all food ends up on your table, which you have no control over. So true, Ashraf, and, uh, you know, very eloquently said, and look at the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that, uh, you know, he gives you the time and the energy to go and eat uh, things. And, uh, you know, we generally take everything for granted, even eating a, a morsel of a fish on your plate. Imagine where that fish was. It was in the ocean and what motion it went through to come onto your plates. And, uh, you know, we generally, uh, you know, take things like this for granted. And Ashraf, you know, a brilliant conversation as usual with you this evening. Perhaps uh, your parting words as we uh, round up. Always remember the reason for our creation. Let's reach out to our beloved as lovers would do. You know, a lover is delirious in his love. He doesn't see anything else. Let us try and understand the purpose of our creation. Let us do the best we can. Let us reach out as human beings, as slaves. And let us bring all of mankind. No, this is not just a lesson for us. It's a lesson to bring all of mankind back to the Creator in the best way that we can. Give out the charity, do the yasin, do the duas. The duas are very important. The best thing you can do for another human being is make a dua for him, with or without his knowledge and consent. And let's strive. Let's ask Allah SWT to help us out of our difficulties because he is the answerer. And let's say to him, guide us onto the right thing and return us to the true deen of Islam. Inshallah, you know, your duas are, are very reciprocal. And, you know, you make duas always. And, you know, as I said, you gave me a few things and good things to do in life. And I always remember you for that, Ashraf. You you know, I can feel the hay fever or what fever you had there. But uh, you know what? <laughs> you did a splendid job this evening. You have a, mashallah, beautiful evening ahead. We'll talk to you soon, Ashraf. Assalamu alaikum. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alaykum salam wa rahmatullahi Yes, sir, mashallah. Lots of uh, food for thought are coming through this evening on uh, Legal Talk with the senior attorney Ashraf Isub. They really, uh, mashallah, you know, bringing the whole thing, looking at uh, our life and looking at alternative. And uh, I mean, the BRICS uh, story is all about Fulus. It's benefit us. And uh, with the Rand Dollar Exchange, will we be benefiting or will we be still subjugated uh, by? Uh, the dollar that is uh, wreaking havoc throughout the world. But the bottom line is that the system that we all are following happens to have riba in it. It's run by a riba, uh, you know, a world uh, uh, 
in, uh, you know, International Monetary Fund, all this is all Rebuy Institute. And unfortunately, the money that we have in our pockets or in our wallets or that credit card that you have or the plasticated card that you have is all compromised. And uh, as you know, we knew Isa at his time took on uh, those uh, rabbis and those money lenders and he actually whipped them. And as Ashraf said in the Quran, Allah says, I declare war on those that deal in usury, that uh, in, uh, you know, take part in riba and so forth. Whatever we do, if we're color-coding it or we're sugar-coating it, the fact is riba is riba. I hope uh, and pray that uh, you had a brilliant evening uh, with us. Uh, and inshallah, keep it locked on to uh, Marcus Sahaba because it's time for us to go for the Isha Azan. And inshallah, we will continue after that.